Hi, and welcome to The Social Angle, a podcast that helps promo pros gain an edge in the social media realm. I'm Vinny, and on this episode, I am joined by Chris Robinson of Promo Shop to talk about the power of nostalgia in marketing. Chris, who has decades of experience in the promo industry, explains the allure of nostalgia, showcases some cool retro campaigns, and dishes on the important role social media plays in it all. Chris, welcome to the Social Angle Podcast. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's good to see Abs- you. Absolutely. How are things out in Boise, Idaho today? Things are awesome. You know, it's uh, been a beautiful summer, a little bit uh, HOT, but other than that, uh, it's good. It's, uh, you know, we're in God's country. Idaho is like one of the most beautiful states in the nation that a lot of people never knew about until this thing called COVID happened and they got out of their um, out of their houses. And now everybody's discovered how amazing this, this part of the country is when only, uh, I think it's 70% of the state is national parks. So it's, it's a lot of wilderness and I've been trying to discover it as much as possible. It's been great. How's everything in Pennsylvania? Everything's great. Uh, question about Boise. Um, are you from there originally? Born and raised. I, um, I'm a fourth generation. My kids are a fifth generation. I uh, left here to go to school at Arizona state and, uh, then worked for club med for three years and, uh, then moved to Los Angeles on a whim and got into this industry then for, and I was there for four years and opened up an office for the company that I worked for at that time uh, up here in Boise and been here ever since. So it's probably been, well, I've probably been back for 25 years now. I was only gone for 12. So happy to be back. I love it here. Yeah. I, my wife and I talk about, you know, going out West to, cause we're big national park people. We want to go out to Wyoming. Um, you know, uh, certainly Idaho is on our, uh, on our list as well. And now that I have a contact out there, I can, I got a place to hang out. So, so that's good to know. <laughs> you got a Mikasa Sukasa. Come on out. Nice. Well, things out in Pennsylvania are good. You know, we've had a hot summer like yourself. Um, but you know, it's, it's funny. The other day I woke up, it was like in the fifties. So I'm like, you know, fall is coming. Um, but you know what? I'm okay with that. It's been really hot and I'm okay for a little bit of cool weather. Yeah, me too. Me too. So, all right. So we got a great show. We're going to be talking about nostalgia. Um, and we're going to be talking about all different facets of that. But before we get into it, can you ch- just kind of talk a little bit about yourself, how you got into this industry, um, you know, whatever you feel necessary to, to add here? You know, you never ask a salesperson to talk about themselves. Come on. <laughs> you don't have enough time on this podcast. Um, boy, I've been in this industry for 27 years. I got recruited back in Los Angeles, like I was um, stating by um, an icon in this industry, Mr. Bob Waldorf, I call him Uncle Bob. He got me into this industry. I met Memo at the same time. We both worked at Idea Man Los Angeles. Memo went his way, I came up to Idaho. Idea Man was acquired by Halo, became part of Halo. And then um, Memo Memo started Promo Shop. And uh, after four years, I partnered with him. um, And our second office for Promo Shop was here. Uh, at the time, it was a three and a half million dollar company, and collectively with our team and our promo shop family, we've grown it to fifty four million dollars. And um, took a little hit like everybody last year, but uh, we're back on pace to be where we were um, back in two thousand nineteen. So it's good. Um, so again, twenty seven year veteran, more on the agency side. We are. We really promote ourselves as a creative merchandise agency, and. Um, we like to practice what we preach. And I think that's why we're here today. You kind of want, you heard about it and you wanted to talk about it. And um, so I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to, um, that was my Reader's Digest version. So I hope it was okay. All right, Chris. So let's talk about nostalgia. 
it seems to have always been a powerful force in marketing. Can you, can you explain its allure and why it works so well? Um, well, I always think that it works. You know, it's all like I said, we always like to practice what we preach. And um, I'm big on nostalgia. You know, I'm a big retro person. I have an old retro Best Buy, I have a 1955 old uh, Chris Craft boat, and I just like that old era type of stuff. And I think back to the commercials of yesteryear, you know, from the 70s and 60s. And, you know, you think about Calgon, take me away, or you think about the laundry detergent, and they always ask what it is, and they say, ancient Chinese secret, or, um, uh, the, the shampoo and they say so on and so on and so on. I always just like that and there's always jingles with it right it's different than ad advertising today every now and then you'll get some very creative type of thing so being that we're a creative merchandise agency and 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 our advertising is tangible advertising right it's not like radio and tv where it's all visual and stuff you actually get to touch this stuff so direct mail is a great uh example of being nostalgia because if if you're going to your demographics and what doesn't matter what age the demographic is but everybody can they can resonate with something like that if they resonate with it it's going to create attention and they're going to open it up and they're going to look at what it is and they're going wow this is something different and you know promo shop we're always we're always aspiring to be different so yeah you know you bring up you know the the calgon ancient chinese secret like that stuff you know, for me, we're Gen X and that stuff resonates for us. And we're going to talk about 80s nostalgia in a minute. But yeah, when you can kind of tap into like the memories of youth and childhood, I think where the memories are the most powerful, I think you have a winning combination. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, again, I think about Saturday morning and watching or uh, after school specials on Wednesdays and the different things that they had, like the, the Kool-Aid guy coming through the foam brick wall. And, um, you know, big thing that I, that I'm in a schoolhouse rock. We did, uh, I'll show you something later in the podcast um, on something that we did with schoolhouse rock. And it's just that things, maybe it's just me, but I, you know, our generation, but even our kids today, my kids grew up, I gave them the videos of schoolhouse rock and they loved them and they loved the music and uh, it, it was great. So yeah, Schoolhouse Rock. Um, I'm just a Bill. Yeah, we, you and I can probably talk about nostalgia from from three, that era. Three is a magic number. There's yeah. all kinds of things, right? How about the cheese and the cracker? And it's like a wagon wheel. Remember the guy on Saturday oh, we, morning? I mean, it's we can yeah. go on and on about that. We so. can go on and on. I mean, the, the the power of nostalgia is is clearly obvious, um, and it works on people like you and I for sure. I mean, I I'm I'm tapped into any type of nostalgia. Um, for instance, there was a show uh, on Netflix called Cobra Kai, which is sort of uh, like the sequel to The Karate Kid. And, you know, it's 30 years or 35 years after The Karate Kid. And I'm so invested in this show, despite the fact that it's hokey. It's there's so much cheese involved in it. I'm hooked because there's there are all these like nostalgic moments. So, you know, the power, like I said, the power of nostalgia is is, is definitely worth tapping into if you can. So I have questions about promotional products. You mentioned they're, they're tangible, they're tactile, they're even edible. You could take advantage of senses like taste, touch, and smell to create a connection that other forms of traditional advertising can't. Can you give us an example of a great promotional campaign that tapped into nostalgia? Well, I brought a few examples here. I, and I want to get, I would, I would start off and show you some things about how Promo Shop, how we practice what we preach. We did a uh, end user show um, uh, earlier this year and we wanted to use nostalgia. We sent out a direct mail to 
I think 3,500 clients to get them to come to the, the virtual event. And so we started off and we did this little, um, this little, this direct mail, you can see it's, uh, it's with this pop art type of thing. And we did this through the chest with, uh, worked with Mary Dops very closely who I've known for 27 years and um, good plug for you there, Mary. Um, we did this little uh, 3D mailer. And when you open it up inside, we had, you know, we, we wanted to promote ideas that pop and we put an old bazooka pack inside here. You know, we thought about pop rocks and stuff like that. And this, we wanted to do gum because we wanted to go off the bubble gum thing. And then, and then this, this art that we have on here, everybody that was on the um, pot, the um, show, the virtual show, we were all wearing t-shirts with this artwork on it. So we kept the continuity going, but this type of thing, you know, the call to action, they had an email address to go to, but this type of action, people resonate. And you said, you and I resonate with it because we're, we're older. The, the younger generation resonates if they think it's cool and stuff like that. But usually the decision makers, you know, the, the CEOs of companies and these big companies, they totally resonate it because they're our age, if not older. And the young ones will resonate with it too because they have people on their staff that work in their marketing department or whatever, and they get it too. So that's one direct mail piece on that. Any, any questions on that? Well, that one, that direct mail piece, I uh, Michelle... Bell, my boss, told me that that was particularly powerful to her because the smell of the bazooka bubblegum took her back to the 80s. She said that when she opened that up, immediately she was transported back to another time. And, and I think there is an element uh, like, that you can tap into because it's tangible. You can smell it. Like you can't smell digital advertising. You can't smell a billboard. But when you receive something like that, and like you said, for the for the people who grow up, you know, in an era when bazooka was very very popular, I'm I'm like you. I I grew up in the '80s. I played little league baseball. We ate bazooka bubble gum all the time. And when I say ate, I meant chew. Of course, uh, of course, I probably ate a few as well. But to my point, it's like that smell just takes you back to a a, a time that I think most people can look back on and say these were the best times of your life. You know. Unfortunately, bazooka gum doesn't last that long. And right, right. Sugary. And now at our age, you try to always open up the little comics that came inside. You can't read them unless you have your readers on. And right. <laughs> and I'd much rather have Hubba Bubba because it tastes last, the original lasts for so much longer. But uh, yeah, see, I, that's a part that I didn't understand the, the smell of it too. So right. it creates a sense, those senses. You know, we do a lot of mailers that have. Um, uh, you open up the, the box and the sound chip goes off with some different sign that's light activated or some lights blink and stuff like that. We've done num a number of mailers and promotions like that. And it's, it's that sensory part that just grabs their attention, right? Um, we did this mailer for a client for Pop TV. Um, Joey Mack was coming out with a new show and um, bubble, another bubblegum thing. And then the, uh, the Hollywood Darlings there too. So it was back-to-back -back shows. And then inside of the mailer, we did, um, everything was retro. You know, we did the, we did the old retro um, ther uh, thermos that goes with the, uh, I can't hold that up very well. But then we put candies inside that match the girls' names and stuff like that. But again, it's the continuity and, and the, the pizzazz of taste and all that kind of stuff that went in. We had Joey Macadamia nuts. We had Mitchell milk chocolate and, and Lankin lemon drops. So it was fun. We worked with the, the entertainment agency and, and put this all together and it was great. We follow a lot of retail tre trends that are going on too. You know, back in the, the late nineties, iPods were hot and poker was hot. And we did a, one of the things we did is a, 
we did a poker chip mailing. We put a custom promo shop poker chip inside here. It's has that little mailer it mails just like this in the postal service. And again, it was a three part mailing with a, a perfed card on the side and said, your call to action is fill this card out, send it back to us or send, it, send us an email and you'll be entered in to win these nice big poker chip uh, sets to do it. Right. So, you know, and it, the thing was, is uh, your brand is important. So why gamble with it? You know, always putting that essence of it's important. You got to work with somebody with value that's going to protect you. And even today, it's even more important because with compliancy and so on and so forth. Another example is we open up our Orange County office in the early 2000s, uh, probably mid, you know, like 2004, 2005, something like that. And I came up with another mailer, three-dimensional, you know, Orange County, you think of orange juice. So we came up with something that was a promo shop made instead of minute made, you know, right. something like this. And we gave them all the benefits of what's happening. And we're opening up our Orange County office and then all the services that promo shop off offers. And then inside, instead of an orange stress ball, we put in a orange, uh, we had custom orange brains made it just to focus on the creativity to show you nice. creative and orange. So again, just playing off of the things, not doing the normal kind of stuff. And then one other thing you're saying about nostalgia is we have a we, promo shop. We have two levels that we recognize people, the surf club level and the longboard club level. And one year we produced a magazine that we sent out to Michelle and all these people in the industry and our legacy partners and suppliers and clients and stuff. And we created this promo shop rocks, catch the wave of promo shop. And then inside, you know, we had different people in here that, you know, Glenn Leinbacher and each one was like a Rolling Stone magazine. Right, right. Like that. But we use the, we use the, um, this Monica Dunn from our San Diego office. And we just use the nostalgia of the, uh, of the retroism like that, but made it like a Rolling Stone catalog, so, uh, or magazine. We're always trying to reinvent ourselves. And, you know, we, um, you know, flattery, you know, the highest form of flattery is to be copied. And uh, right. like everybody else, everybody gets our ideas from somewhere else and they do that. We've had distributors in the past and say, you know what, what is Promo Shop doing this month or this week? Let's see what they're doing. They're always trendy and stuff like that. And I, I always like to stay ahead of the game. And if other things do different, we learn from them too. And we say, right. I like this, but let's put a different spin on it or let's try something like this. And um, it's pretty cool. I mean, I love our industry. Obviously you can tell in my voice, sure. I'm, I'm, pa I'm passionate about it. I, I, I love the promotional product, promotional advertising. I never call it promotional products industry. Right. The promotional advertising, because we are a venue for advertising. Again, we're tangible advertising. Right. So how, how do you measure the success of some of these campaigns? Like, what is your ROI here? Yeah, that's a great question because we all want to know our, our ROI. We want to teach our executives on how they can go to their clients and teach them ROI mm -hmm. and how they're going to get the best benefit for their buck. Um, you always have to have a call of action. You know, you have to figure out uh, for them to register at a website or send, send something, you know, and what's going to incentivize them. Do they, you know, we tell our clients, you know, put a $500 gift card or have put in a, a bicycle or a TV, you know, something, some premium, gift sure. you have them be able to win that thing. And we did a mailer that, um, thank you, ASI. We just uh, <laughs> won here for best client promotion. And I think yep. that's coming out here soon um, for, for a client. They did a mailer and instead of doing something over the holidays, they wanted to do something after the new year and say, Hey, we're still around. Sorry, you thanks for sticking out. And we put this whole package together. We sent it out to, I believe, 
400 retailers across food retailers across the um, across the country, and we had this call to action. They got a $25 gift card inside of it with all these other premiums and incentive gifts and promotion promotional products. Um, but the call to action was come and sign up at our on our website at, the, at this link and sign up for this, and you're going to get our you're going to get our monthly newsletter with this thing. But you also have the opportunity to win a $500 gift card. In 27 years, this is the most successful mailer we have had. We had 100% participation in people coming back to that website and signing up for it. No and kidding. 100%. Was, like, 100%. It was unbelievable. Wow. We had 400 mailers. We got 400 recipients, and we have to double check it for the client to make sure everything's legitimate. And they, right, and right. The great thing is, is they fill out their information. There's less error of margin for other sure. humans to fill out information. They filled it all out. It was fantastic. The client's like, we're going to do this every year now because we had such a huge success rate and um, it's good. So there's always has to be some sort of call to action to be able to um, record that ROI. You have, that's the right. only way you really can do it. So. Right. Right. Yeah. I think most savvy marketers know that, you know, um, you know, there's got to be a call to action, um, you know, and, and to me, you gave some, some really great examples with call to actions on there and, and those will, you know, be able to tell you how well that campaign was received, you know, how many people, you know, took that action, you know, which is what the whole campaign was based around. Uh, and then you can measure that. You can say, hey, you know, X amount, what percentage of, you know, call to actions are we going to deem this a successful campaign? And I think that's kind of up to you. Um, but to me, I think that's that's a great way to, to really get their attention. And like you say, lumpy mail, to me, I think lumpy mail, you know, when I first started in this industry 13 years ago, it really wasn't. It was like, oh, you know, the internet was really starting to kick in. Now, lumpy mail to me is like, you know, I get something in the mail, it's lumpy. I'm like, ooh, what, you know, bill, 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 throw, you know, I throw it on the table. But something that's lumpy and I get, and I get stuff from ASI, I get stuff from the industry, from people that I, I've made connections with. And I'm like, ooh, what's this? You know, I'm excited to open it up. Right. And you know, now for the last year and a half or however long it's been since we've been in this pandemic is there's so many mailers going out and custom boxes and kits being made up. And that's, that's the new norm. We yep. adjust immediately. You know, we started, you know, this all started in March, I think mostly to shut down mid March and immediately in April, we had clients coming to us and say, we need to get stuff out to them. And, and now things are being done online and you want to, you want to reward them for being on and, and taking that class or whatever it is. And we're doing all these kits. It's um everybody's adjusting. This is the new norm and direct mail has always been there, but you know, a flat piece of paper, unless it's a skin pack of something, it has some dimension. I don't know about you, but I just throw it away. It's like, I'm not, I've been to make sure there's no credit cards or something. <laughs> I know it needs to be dimensional. You know, you have yep. to create this and it's, you know, it's, it's proven that if it's dimensional or they can hear something inside, it gets to the end user. Mm -hmm. like there's something in there. I can't open it up. And right. it gets there. And, and I don't know, it changes every year on the success rate. You're saying for direct mail, you know, at the beginning, it might've been, you're shooting for a six to 7% rate, you know, of right. people come out, which is great. And I think now maybe it might be in the, the teens or something like that. And I think it's getting better and better because people are getting creative. Right. Right. If they're not um, clients out there, if you need a good creative thing, please call us. We'll be have more than happy to. <laughs> Absolutely. So again, we're talking to Chris Robinson from Promo Shop. Um, so Chris, let's talk about the eighties. I, I talked about it earlier. 
um, we could do a whole podcast on the 80s, but there's a real fascination with it. Um, anything that's 80s themed nostalgia, and it, it seems to appeal to the younger generations. And to me, I find that fascinating. Fascinating. I got a 13 year old daughter who loves 80s stuff, and I'm like, how is that possible? But she loves it, um, and I and I'm I'm thrilled about that. Yeah. What is it about 80s that everyone seems to love? Well, I don't know. You know, I'm a big uh, new wave guy and the music and stuff. And that was all from the early 80s, even the late 70s, of course, right. with David Bowie and the Pixies and everybody like that. But it kind of segued in with Depeche Mode and The Cure and the Madonnas, kind of could be new wave until she went pop. And, um, you know, I'd say for me personally, you know, the Brat Pack, I'm a huge fan of the Breakfast Club and 16 yep. Candles and all those great movies. And um, it's, uh, I don't know, it was... It was real, you know, today, you know, I, I might be standing corrected with our demographics listening out there or something, but I'm not a Marvel, Marvel comic guy. I'm not, I'm not into that stuff. I'm more into the, I still watch The Breakfast Club. I mean, it's, right. it's incredible. And, uh, you know, St. Elmo's Fire and all those shows that, that, that resonate. And the Goonies are from the 80s. You think mm -hmm. of stuff like that. It's just, yeah. it's show that it hasn't been recreated yet. I bet that's going to be the new recreation is The Goonies. I just <laughs> think it's coming out. Um, I don't know. Life was, I don't know. Honestly, I, I can't answer that. I just think that life was more simple then. And I mean, that's my era. I, I graduated in 85 and went off to school at ASU in the eighties and, and, you know, music that time, one of my best albums ever was the U2, the Joshua tree. Mm -hmm. That was, that was in 1988. And it's like, there's something really cool about the eighties, nineties became grunge. The whole Nirvana started that whole thing up in Seattle and it segued out from there. And, right. um, now where are we? We're <laughs> well over the board. I say 80s, you know, 80s rap started in the 80s. I mean, well, it started in the 70s. Right, right. But, but uh, 80s started to really start to hit and more of it happened. And uh, Yo! MTV rap started then. And uh, yep, yep. MTV was a big of the 80s. Remember when we used to have sure. videos? We don't have music videos anymore unless you go to nope. YouTube and see all that stuff. So 80s was like a really breakout of all kinds of different genres of entertainment and lifestyles. And uh, yeah, I thought it was cool. You know, I think there's a, there was way more to consume nowadays for anything to really resonate with a lot of people. I think to me, I think personally in the eighties, you, you only had a certain amount of options. You had movies, you had, you had a handful of TV shows to look at, you had sports and something like we talked about earlier, you know, like St. Elmo's Fire, uh, The Brat Pack, um, Goonies. These are movies that I think the majority of people are know about and they embrace and they take it with them. You know, whereas today you have so many options. People talk about shows all the time. Hey, do you see this show? Never even heard of it. You know, and like Netflix has a you know, Hulu all these states, there's way too much media to consume for any of it to really make a lasting impression 20 years from now, because so many people will not have seen it. Whereas the eighties, I think there's such a nostalgia for it because so many people remember almost everything. Like if I, if I talk to somebody who's a Gen Xer and they tell me they never saw the karate kid, I'd be like, where were you in 1984? You know, like everybody saw it, you know? And, and to me, I think that's why eighties is, is so impactful um and it's even resonating with, with a younger audience who wasn't there but they're seeing it in the media today you know they're seeing all these like my daughter's asking me about cobra kai she's like what's why why do you like this show and i'm like oh funny you should ask you know and i give her the whole background and now she's interested she's vested so to me that's my take on 80s and i think 80s 
even 70s, 90s, I think that stuff is going to be around a while. I think so too. You know, it's, um, you mentioned this, these different outlets for getting your information, whether it's, you know, for, for entertainment, you have Amazon Prime, Apple, Hulu, uh, YouTube, um, Netflix, you know, then you have Dish and uh, DirecTV and all their venue, HBO Now and Showtime. It's just like, Maybe it's just us, but it's so overwhelming. And these kids, and, and and then you put social media in. Right. You, you, the world is so fast paced and out of control that if you think back to the 80s, it may have seemed out of control back then. But in the in the hindsight, it was so, there was, there was only so many different, you didn't have news 24 hours a day. Right, you right. Have, you didn't have a sports channel talking about just the NFL every day. You watch the NFL on Sundays. Right. Right. It was, like, it was so, it was so much more calm back then. And I think that people resonate to it more because it brings some calmness or some, some levity to everyday chaos because you know, let's talk about our industry. How chaotic is our industry? You can get products done in 24 hours and done, right. you know, it all started with the UPS and FedEx when they would ship things, can ship things overnight and you're like wow i used to have to mail um ad slicks with the different layers with crop marks for my clients no more than two colors imprint uh had to mail them u.s mail and get there and do a proof i mean now everything happens instantaneously instantaneously right. and if you're not getting an answer immediately people freak out and it's like come on take a deep breath <laughs> you imagine that we're thinking back to the 80s as a simpler time well, it's an, it's incredible. Think, think about Ferris Bueller, how simple he was. I always think back to save Ferris and how mellow he was. He's like, everybody calm. It's right, right. Cameron, it's going right. to be okay. Or <laughs> Fast Time in Ridgemont High. <laughs> is he going to shit or is he going to kill us? And he's like, first he's going to shit, then he's going to kill us. <laughs> I know. Don't, don't worry. My, my uncle's a TV repairman. He's got an awesome, awesome set, set of tools. tools. <laughs> Everything was just so much more chill, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, we just got to remember that. I think people resonate with, with that. And it's, um, I don't know. It's cool. I see it in entertainment happening. You think about uh, Netflix came out with stranger things and they went mm -hmm. back to that nostalgia thing. We resonate with it because it was so much more mellow and you, they were kind of the Goonies of Nat. Sure. Right. I mean, that whole thing, just a little more sci-fi and it's, you kind of see it in entertainment and, and, I don't know. I think it's um, I think it's good to think in the past and everybody kind of take a deep breath. And maybe that's what this pandemic is all about: is everybody's figuring out their their lives and figuring out to slow down a bit. And we're really figuring that out in talking to our clients, in in, in adding this nostalgia type of thing because it is resonating with them. You know, whether it's a Mister Bubble type of thing and just relax. And um, you know, I could go on and on, but it's like. If we can, if we can take that nostalgia from from years past and bring some levity into a current day's situation in advertising, it, it it's bringing the ROI that we're looking for, and our clients are loving it. I love that answer. Um, you know, it's like it's profound, but at the same time, it's succinct. You know, you, you definitely bring home the point there. Um, you know, I think about like what what's old is new again. You know, and sometimes that is that's true. You know. Um, fashion is cyclical, um, trends are cyclical, you know, nostalgia. Nostalgia is always in vogue, but it depends on what that nostalgia is. And I think right now, you know, there's, there's a lot to be said about that 80s nostalgia and how it plays in today. And a lot of 
a lot of media, like you said, Stranger Things is focused on the nostalgia of that time, you know, and, and it's embraced by a lot of people. So, you know, it certainly works. And now is the time to capitalize on it. So we've still got a lot of questions to get through. So let's talk about the angle for this podcast, which is social media. Uh, you know, when people receive items that they connect with, there's definitely an impulse to share them with the world. And social media seems to be the perfect bridge, you know, to that end. Does the power of social media ever factor into your campaigns that revolve around nostalgia? Oh, every single day you have to, you know, there's so many influencers out there and um, our clients are looking for packages that they can get to influencers. We're doing this for mm-hmm. Haagen-Dazs and many other, many other companies out there. And um, the ability to get in front of a, an, an influencer and for them to share the, the, the package and stuff, it's, it's overwhelming because Again, the younger generation is all into this, the, the TikTok and the, you know, you can name them all. I'm not into, sure. I'm into, I'm into Instagram now and that's pretty much it. I'm trying to win right. off that. It's like, it's, um, yes, I mean, it, it, it's huge. It's huge for our clients. So if we can do it too and create uh, social media on our end and do the hashtags and all that stuff, it's, um, I see it in our younger generation and what in, in our AEs that, that are doing it and they do it more and I learn from them every single day. I don't practice it that much, as much as I probably should, but man, I'm fighting other fires and doing things. Right, right, for sure. Business and stuff. So um, influencers are huge right now and social media is, and I don't see it going away at all. It's, right. it's every time we launch something new or we get an exclusive thing, I'm posting on our Facebook pages or the LinkedIn stuff. And, and then our creative team is doing the same thing on their ends and their, and their, and their uh, spokes. So it, I don't think it's going away. It's only going to get more and more. So how can you get more creative and how can you um, grab the attention of these influencers and the audience out there that's will share it on their ends? Cause it's the web, the, 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 the network is never ending, right? It, it goes global. And right. uh, we just did a, um, we just did a mailer for a client and uh, it came up in the New York times of who is promo shop. And uh, they didn't know what it was. It was a, um, my mind recollects me. It was a, it was a wax mold of a, a star and um, they were using it and they sent it out there, but they didn't know who it was from. And it created all this uh, curiosity out there. And I think it was the Washington post. It wasn't the New York times. Okay. I might be corrected again. So uh, off the record, I don't know who it was, but I think it was the right. Washington and um they said who is promo shop because we fulfilled it out of our los angeles thing and finally got around and they got the second piece and they put it all together and it was a direct mail campaign with three elements in it and um boy just that (laughs) should have seen our phones and emails light up like what is going on here and who are you guys and this and that and all this stuff and you see the the hits on your website through google analytics and stuff right it's pretty incredible i mean and that's just one that's just one case history and there's numerous out there and I'm sure there's many distributors and suppliers out there that have the same type of case histories. It's, it's incredible. Totally. You know, and when I think of social media, I think of, um, you know, I think of the, the end user, you know, when, when they get a product and, you know, we, we talk about this a lot in this industry uh, about products that people want to hold on to and, po- and products that people don't care about and they end up in landfills. Like if you create an experience um, you know, you give them something that they want to hold on to, something that they're that they genuinely genuinely like. They're going to go to social media and they're going to 
show it off. And the younger generation, I would argue that, you know, these kids who are on TikTok, you know, my daughter who's on Instagram, like they're micro influencers. They're, they may not have huge followings, but if they have engaged audiences and they're showing off these products, those products are showing off a brand, you know, and that to me, I think is the win there for social media. The social, the, the catalyst are these kids, you know, and, and they're pushing out these brands. So, you know, creating campaigns that are meaningful, you know, to me, I think it's, it's, it's really a win all around. I, and I, I don't disagree. And I don't think anybody in our audience today will disagree, nor will our clients. They want to have something impactful. And I just want to reiterate like that, like the promotional products industry for years has been regarded as trinkets and trash or mm-hmm. landfill. I can't stand it. And I, I hold, that's why we call ourselves a creative merchandise agency. Sure. We're, we're advertising. We're not landfill. I'd much rather a client spend the same amount of money for less products, something that people are going to use than be something that just gets thrown away. You know, you get those people to go to trade shows that used to go to trade shows and fill their bags. And you've seen them, you've been around sure. trade shows and you've seen people doing it. It's like, you know, what are they going to do with all that? They just walk and they just, they just put the stuff in their, in their, whatever they have there, their cart and they just go on their way. You know, it's like, you gotta use, I, I always tell clients, you know what, let's, let's think this, let, let me, let me get the variables and what your goals are. And I give them the variables. I want to know these five different things you're looking for. And I, and I ask them and I say, okay, let me go back to the drawing board. I do this every day in my life. I get stuff across my desk constantly, my computer and go to these shows, these retail shows, gift shows, trade shows. And I'm following retail. I go to airports, I go to stores and I'm looking at things. I want to see where everybody's going. What do people are buying? Cause then I can bring it back to the client and I can say, okay, this is what you said you were, this, this is what I heard what you're saying, what you want. And these are the goals that you wanted to attain. These are our con- these are what we're going to bring to the table to fit within those things. And outside your thing, because you may want to spend more money or less right. money and go this go this route. So you really have to figure out those variables of the equation before you can solve the problem, and not just sell them. Something That's right. That we're sense. solution providers. We, the promotional product is the means to that end. Um, I love that answer. We we have a few minutes left. I have a couple more questions, Chris. Um, so. When I think of actual products that tap into nostalgia, I mean, they could be any products. As long, you know, if you tap into nostalgia, it doesn't matter what the product is. But when I think of actual retro products, I think of toys and games like Etch-A-Sketch. What are some of the products you like to use in your nostalgia-themed campaigns? Oh, my gosh. Unfortunately, this company is not around anymore. They were a German company. Uh, They came over to PPAI one year, and I think they started going to the ASI shows as well. But there was this company that developed a writing instrument, and each end of the writing instrument was a different nostalgic game. They had an etch a sketch. They had oh. they had operation. You know, you had to do yep. this thing, and they had inside one of them they had some miniature Lincoln logs, and they had all these different things. And boy, I did an ad campaign years ago, synonymous month after month after month with all these different things touching on nostalgia, and. Um, you know, it was great. You know, we got we got accolades from the industry and what we did on this thing, but people resonated with those things. I'm always looking for different things like that. And, uh, you know, Lincoln Logs, for example, we, we want to help you build your brand and you make this little thing. And um, it all starts with the foundation and all, all this kind of stuff. But it's, it's hard to find something. There's a company out there um, that makes the retro Monopoly 
right for monopoly games you know a lot of people are corporopoly or whatever it's called right um latte sky i think is the company sky latte or something like that right and they um they make all these old games stuff like that it's hard right it's it you really have to think about it and you know it comes to doing research and you go i'm on the I'm on the internet looking at different ideas all the time and sharing with our creative team and trying to kind of come up with stuff, but it's hard. I mean, those things that I mentioned, those examples are typical old retro style games. I think that are cool. Right. Yeah. Right. And I think a lot of people um, appreciate those games. Uh, again, you know, those are games that have been around for 50, 60, 70 years, but yeah. it seems like every generation plays them. Yeah, Twister. Yeah. We did a promotion a couple of years ago from the ladies in our New York office, and they did this cool little canvas Twister game that went on the beach, and you played Beach Twister. And it, those are just kind of cool type of things. And it was a summer kit, and it just right. you put that nostalgia back together. I think it's uh, all together. It makes it interactive and fun, and then they share it, and so on, and so, and so on, and so on, and so on. Well, Chris, I could talk nostalgia with you probably for another couple hours. Um, you know, I love you know, talking to people in this industry about their experience. I love, you know, especially when I can connect with somebody who's the same generation as, as me and we can kind of talk about, um, you know, stuff that I love, which, you know, seems to be a lot of the stuff that you love. Um, but I have one more question for you. Um, can you give us some examples of when nostalgia-based marketing campaigns would be right for a client? Well, A, they need to have the money for it, okay? Because uh, these direct mail these direct mail kits you put together, it's they're not inexpensive. You're looking two to five dollars, it's not gonna work. Right. When you have the postage on top of these things, you know, we do mailers anywhere from fifteen dollars to one hundred and fifty dollars. So you oh, really wow, okay. Have, you need to have the budget for it. Um, I think there will always be room for a nostalgic mailer. I don't okay. you know because nostalgia goes back to the roaring, you say the roaring twenties, or it could be an army thing from toy, something from toy story sure. or the army men theme. You know, you think toy story goes back into the fifties type of thing. Um, and as we go on, we're, we're making history, right? Right. And we're going to constantly come up with things and it could be from genre of, uh, you know, the Pearl jam era and you have records and different types of things, nostalgia things. So we're, there's always going to be room for nostalgia. It's never, it's, it's never going to go away because we're constantly creating history. And um, I think that's what's great is you always reflect on things that happened in the past. You can always say you can go into the future and think what science fiction is going to be like. But um, I just think a really bad nostalgic thing would be to anything to play off of COVID and do a writing instrument <laughs> that looks like a shot and jazz. Yeah. That'd be a bad thing. Let's that's stay with the pandemic thing. I'm trying yeah. to get out thing yeah 20 years from now i don't think anyone's going to look back at this time and say oh man i wish we were back in those yeah, pandemic those times are, those are awesome times what a great that's a, what a great marketing campaign right <laughs> i i really enjoyed missing out uh, two years or three years however many years we're going to miss out of our lives where yeah, i can't travel i can't do any of the things that i love to do um but anyway chris thank you so much for your time today i know we had a little we had a few technological issues but you know we skirted those issues this is this is the new now um but again let everyone know how they can get in, in touch with you thank you well, first of all uh thanks for having me on this, this has been great and um next time you want to have me on if this is a success and you want to do it again let's do it then we get into the, then we get into the john cusack shows oh nice okay and, and Joan, too, of course. She's of always course, the sister. Um, but thanks so much for having me on. This has been great. Um, if you want to get in touch with me, uh, it's Kay Robinson at Promo Shop 
inkinc.com, krobinson at promoshopinc.com. And um, thanks again for having me on. This has been great. Absolutely, Chris. Let's Until next we, time. Let's see if we have the ROI. Awesome. All right. Thanks a lot, Chris. Thanks.